You're listening to Baltimoreans. Home of the all-weather fan. My name is Sam Dingman. And this continues, despite my best attempts at other changing it up, to be Alan Smith. <laughs> Let's get stupid. Baltimoreans. Let's Alan, get stupid, man. Alan, you hadn't told me you're uh, uh, trying to get into the witness protection program. Uh, you know, I'm just trying. I think it's more like a meditation thing. I'm just trying to be other than what I am sometimes. Mm. Mm. Trying to free myself from the physical uh, and the, 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 the shackles of, of, of mortal flesh. What is, tell me more about this alternate Alan Smith identity. I, I just I don't want it to be branded with Alan Smith at all. I'm you know I want to I want to commune with the larger universe at hand. Alan Smith has too many things on his plate, and there's too many <laughs> I's to dot and T's to cross. He's a pain in the ass. I see, I see. So this is more of a this is less of a um, upgraded version of you and a, like a full alter ego. Yeah, it's it's more like shedding shedding the um, the mantle of reality uh, and and dancing around in the tulips. I, as, as our friend Opus the Penguin would would uh, urge us all to do. Opus is our friend. Opus is our friend, both in the sense of his ability to do that, his eternal optimism. I feel like I shed the limitations of reality um, with each spring training uh, in my belief ah. uh, of um, <laughs> what dreams may come. But um, Maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year. Let me ask you a question, Alan. I sent you hey, a me. link... Uh, prior to Carlos Correa signing with the Twins of Minnesota. And this link suggested loosely, irresponsibly, and ultimately heartbreakingly that given Carlos Correa's relationship with Mike Elias, that the Orioles, and, and given the sort of proximity to competition that pe some people seem to think the Orioles have like within a year or two, um, becoming competitive and new that the Orioles might get into the Correa bidding. I allowed myself to believe. Now, I know that that was dumb. I just want to know if you also, even for a moment, allowed yourself to believe. Oh, Sam, I'm full galaxy brain on this one. Check this out. Okay. So Carlos Correa's agent, as we know, is the esteemable, and I do not actually mean that word, Scott Boris. Uh, he switched to Scott Boris this time out, but because of some agent shenanigans that I don't totally understand, his previous agent was going to get some money for whatever contract he just signed. This is why the contract that he just signed has an opt-out after one year, because he wants to and will opt out after one season, go back onto the open market, and then make Scott Boris all the bank when he signs the you know 12-year five seventy bajillion email uh, uh, contract he will eventually sign because that's what everybody's signing right now, right? Like every other major free agent on the market got a contract that was worth, um, you know, dollars that would make Chris Davis blush. Um, <laughs> so I have this theory that he's, he's, he's really just a one year rental for the twins. The Orioles will for one more season really stink it up. Uh, finish in the bottom three of next year's, uh, therefore the top three of next year's draft. And then when he comes back on the market after opting out of the Twins contract to make boy Boris some money, 
then the connections to Mike are going to come rich mm. and he's going to saunter into the Orioles slightly more um, uh, stocked pond and lead us to greatness. So here's what I love about that take. One, I really <laughs> hope you're right. Two, that is truly a galaxy brain take that takes into a question, takes into account the broader contours of the situation that I did not do enough research to be aware of before asking the question. And it is also an opus level degree of optimism. <laughs> so you That's really, the important part, that he would in any of the, I mean, like all of the stuff that I just said could be true. And he could still very much up to the point where he then chooses to sign for the Orioles. Like he could opt out and then go to the Dodgers because why not? You, I, I mean, you really ticked all the boxes. I, I got to hand it to you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I love, I love and appreciate how Orioles Twitter seems to have really talked themselves into the fact that Carlos Correa might've been signing for us, but it doesn't actually make any sense for our timeline. Right? Like the, the Orioles, you know, we still, um, I mean, I think we'll talk about this in a second, but there, there, there's no benefit to us spending money in the next two years because, I mean, at least hurt. Like, there, there's no like there, there's nobody on this team that I think is a year away from being a year away. We might be two years away from being two years away, in which case, like, in two years, you could start seeing us start to sign some veterans that, like, could win or contribute to being something other than a replacement-level player. But right now, I, I don't see the point. How can you say that with a lineup anchored by the <laughs> likes of Runed Odor? Uh, I mean, I uh, didn't like him in Texas, so I'm excited to change my mind. I don't know. <laughs> Here's how much I don't like Runed Odor. I can't stand Jose Bautista. And I still think it's whack that Runet Odor sucker punched Jose Bautista. <laughs> I will, I will, uh, I will come. I will confess something to you. Um, today, uh, at approximately three forty-four Eastern Standard Time, let me guess, is you... where I learned how to pronounce his name. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say you too have sucker punched Jose Bautista, and that's why. You're trying to get into a witness protection program. Right, right, right. Uh, no, no, I would. Um, I'm, I'm terrified of that man. He seems unhinged. But um, no, I, I, I think that I think that the like the, you can see by the um, signings that the Orioles did make this year that they are trying to do one thing and one thing only, which is get to the floor mandated by a new collective bargaining agreement in terms of salary. <laughs> like they did not stretch. They did not go for anybody who seems to be a winning player or even from a winning team or tradition. Like there doesn't seem to be a lot of excitement around the people who are currently like coming in, except for that, like, you know, they can play ball. They'll eat some innings. They'll stand around and, uh, look like professional ball players. Is, is, do you, do you have a different, like, is there, is there somebody in there that you, that has come in that you're excited about? Oh God, no, no, <laughs> no, no. If anything, if anything, I'm excited to resent the presence of Runet Odor. I, I, yeah. I, I will say I am trying to cultivate a studious, dispassionate attitude towards Adley Rutschman because 
I don't want to make the Matt Wieters mistake again. And as we yeah. talked about, Matt Wieters was wonderful, but he was not the savior that he was billed as. And so here comes another catcher with a reputation for having a solid bat and a good leadership instincts. And if that works out, it's great. But even if the thing is, even if it does work out, let's say he becomes Joe Maurer or Buster Posey, both of those guys had to retire early because the game ate them alive. And as you just said, we don't have that kind of time. <laughs> like, <laughs> we don't have time for them to retire early. Um, so uh, I want Adley Rutschman, stated for the record, I want Adley Rutschman to win the Rookie of the Year award too, as, as does everybody listening to this. I just don't want to convince myself that that is a foregone conclusion or even likely to happen and that that's the reason I should be excited this year because fool me once, <laughs> fool me 800 times. <laughs> you've, you've, At some point, there has to be some shame that comes back to us. Yeah. yeah you, you have fooled me 800 times. <laughs> um, all right. But you alluded to it. Let's get into it. It was an interesting thing I thought this week, Alan Smith, given the greater than normal number of things to be angry about in the world, <laughs> that there are some corners of the internet, some of those corners are named Jock Peterson, <laughs> who decided that the object of their outrage this week should be the Baltimore Orioles and their, as you just referenced, astonishingly low for by major league baseball standards payroll which is uh something in the neighborhood of 30 million dollars just north of 30 million and that that is i think what was it uh a an eighth of the yankees payroll or the dodgers payroll um uh not even that a ninth? dodgers payroll dodgers payroll i think is coming in at um 228 million Okay, so I can't do that math, but yikes. So, so basically, as, as I understand it, uh, the Dodgers payroll minus the Orioles payroll, and you're still looking at a quarter of a billion dollars. Well, the difference, the difference between the Orioles payroll and the Dodgers payroll is nearly a quarter of a billion is dollars. Like Let's put it that way. The Yankees payroll. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Which exactly. is also astonishingly high. Um, yeah. Okay, so I get it. We are not just scraping the bottom of the barrel. I would say we are prying the nails off the underside of the barrel in hopes that the contents will fall out the bottom. Um, we're doing that. Everybody knows we're doing that. We're not in but a place... But you know what, Sam? As Office Space, Office Space once said... If you want the minimum to be 18 pieces of flair, make it 18 pieces of flair. You know, <laughs> if you're going to set a floor, you have to expect some people to hit that floor. Yes. And I've, I've banged this drum before, but it, it's worth it to me to, to start it up again. This is the same thing that the Astros did. And now, I mean, I won't say everybody loves the Astros because everybody hates the Astros because <laughs> they but they had that window cheated. But they did have a little window of time where they were a fun story. Um, 
this is, you know, the Brewers did versions of this. The Nationals did versions of this. These are all teams that are now perennial contenders. And seem the to Philadelphia be- 76ers did a version of this. The Oklahoma City Thunder did a version there of this. Go. At any point, if you make rules in a sport that incentivize coming in last, people will try to come in last. <laughs> right. So we are doing the thing that the rules are set up to encourage you to do which is be bad for a while until you can restock your farm system such that you will be good for a longer period of time. And let me just say, as Orioles fans, we distinctly remember what happens if you get caught not at the very bottom, but in this sort of like shitty wilderness of not making the playoffs, but also not really being the worst and... Right. Continuing for 15 years to wander around the wilderness, um, never quite being able to sign or acquire that one talented person to put you over the top, but also never quite bottoming out. Like exactly. It's a, it's a shitty it's a shitty place to be. Exactly. You you have to sometimes you have to let the forest die for new growth uh, <laughs> to to bloom. But also Jock Peterson, I'm who I'm so mad at. Like, it seems like his his tweet was basically something to the effect of, like, you should be ashamed of what you're putting your fans through by spending so little money to field a competitive team. Jock, we have seen the wages of spending money just for the sake of treading water. Looking at you, Yabaldo Jimenez. Looking at you, Alex Cobb. Looking at you... I mean, kind of looking at you, Jock Peterson, right? <laughs> I mean, like... Well, yeah, but... Pot, meat, kettle, Jock. Um, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't like it any more than anybody else that the Orioles have such a dearth of talent on the major, the notionally major league roster. At the same time, I think if you're, I don't want to throw the phrase "real baseball fan" around, but. I will. <laughs> I think if you're a real baseball fan, why are you coming out to the ballpark? Are you coming out to the ballpark to sleep through eight spots in the batting order and then pry your eyelids open every time Cedric Mullins comes up because he might hit a home run? No. You're doing that. You're you're going out to see it. Like, it's much more interesting to watch a team have to be reborn from nothing, to look for the embers of whatever the next raging fire of success is going to be in this team that, like, one of the things I kind of appreciate about where the Orioles are right now is there's no attempt to trick us into thinking that they believe they can win the division. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which some of those previous moves that I just referenced, that's what those were. It was, you know, duct tape placed over like a giant hole in the water with water rushing through it. Like we might as well go down to zero and see what we can build from scratch rather than try to preserve something that was known to be broken. There's an honesty in that. And there's something really interesting in that from a baseball standpoint. It doesn't, it, it, it's not fun to watch the team lose, but it is, if, if, you, if you kind of galaxy brain your fandom a little bit and think, all right, my fandom right now is not about hoping for an Orioles victory. My fandom right now 
is about looking for glimmers of the next dynasty. And mm-hmm. maybe I get to be right about that. Um, what patterns yeah, can I, mean, I discern the, in, in what the front office is doing? Right. Like this is, this is exactly the, um, uh, you know, concept that the Philadelphia 76ers bought into and, you know, trust the process, that whole, that whole thing that led to a bunch of failed draft picks, but also Joel Embiid and uh, maybe one of the best players in, in basketball right now. Um, I, I think it's really interesting. I mean, I, I am sympathetic to the point um, and you know, the rules are the, the rules are the way they are so that um, to try to give teams that are bad a chance to get better. Uh, and they probably should change the rules a little bit to disincentivize doing what the Orioles and the um, pirates are doing a little bit where I sort of, can wrap my head around agreeing with jock though is with the knowledge that the baltimore orioles make a hundred million dollars off of tv rights right now because of revenue sharing before the first pitch is is thrown they've made a hundred million dollars so there is a large part of me that thinks well that a larger portion of that money should be going to the people doing the work um, in this case, the ball players, the coaches, the people who run the stadia, the whole kit, kit and caboodle, then is currently going to them. If we're only paying out thirty million dollars, that means that the owner, um, the uh, as you have heard, if you listen to Baltimore on quite some time here, we, we we are conflicted, but you know probably coming down mostly positive on Team Angelos. But he just made seventy million dollars in profit just just for just for showing up, just for owning this, this whole means of production. Um, and that does seem to me to be a bit uh, confusing and, and not confusing, uh, incorrect. That does seem to me to be a bit incorrect. So what I would say is like, I don't at all feel embarrassed uh, for the Orioles because I feel like the Orioles as an institution are doing the thing that has led other teams from going from the bottom to the top. Um, and I think if you look at like, Moneyball and other kind of ways to do that. Uh, the Houston Astros are the one example of things that we know works. Like we did this, this does seem to be the way to get a, a roster devoid of talent to be a roster that is like filled with potential. Um, and that has, that has happened where I get a little bit, uh, but yeah, like, so, so where I, where I sympathize is, what are the Orioles then doing to um, spend that money, to utilize that money in a useful way? And you could tell me, and I might even believe you, that you know they that's in, in three years they want to be a team that's spending three hundred million dollars a year on payroll, and so you know they're saving up <laughs> for when that happens. Um, but what I would, I hope the answer is, is that they're plowing that into both baseball and non-baseball related activities in the greater Baltimore area, whether that is um, talent analysis and scouting, uh, whether that is supporting local businesses in a way that allow them to continue to prosper through a pandemic, whatever. I hope that that money is being spent in a useful way and not sort of like being skimmed off the top. So I will say without knowing 
whether or not that is part of what the Angelos family uses its money for. Um, he he is basically the only owner. They are the only ownership group that I would believe is doing that and are maybe the only ownership group, at least in baseball, uh, that is more likely to be doing that than it is to be saving it up for a major free agent signing, um, which is weird. It's a weird feeling as a sports fan. Like, I, I genuinely believe that the Angelos family is thinking in meaningful ways about how to use its resources to support the city that supports the team. I don't believe that they're going to make Carlos Correa the kind of competitive offer that it will take to sign him after he opts out of his twins contract. Like, I, I just don't think they're going to do that. Um, That's interesting because I, I, I do, I do feel like, I mean, maybe this is the difference of like homegrown versus not homegrown, but I do feel like they're, um, the pattern that I got from the Angelos's is like, hold back, hold back, hold back, push in when you think you have a good hand. I mean, I think that's how you get the Chris Davis signing. That's how you get Ibaldo Jimenez. Like, yes, they may have been things that were papering over some serious cracks, but they did feel like with the core of Adam Jones and Manny Machado on an affordable contract and all of these things, they were like, all right, let's, let's like, let's push. Let's see what we can do to, to rise up where I don't feel like you can say that about the pirates, for example, like who have sort of let every star that they've developed walk and have been sort of allergic to spending money at all. And I mean, there's a really interesting question I think to be answered about, and maybe it happens and I'm just not aware of it, but everybody loves to dunk on the Orioles for tanking. Nobody dunks on the pirates. Nobody really. Jack, Jack put him on his tweet. Oh, he did. Blast. Okay. All right. Well, by the jock standard, I suppose then uh, it was <laughs> well, not a good what he did. What he did was he re- he retweeted the top three, bottom three payrolls. So the bottom three are Guardians, Pirates, Orioles in that order. Uh, Orioles being the bottom, um, and he sort of said, you know, I, I assume that he. I guess he only said fan base, but uh, my guess is that he was intending to say fan bases. Well, so that makes me want to ask you the other sort of provocative question that I have been thinking about this week is one of the other things that other currently tanking teams have been doing is trading away franchise cornerstones. In some cases, homegrown franchise cornerstones. Um, the Pirates uh, have did a little bit of that last season, um, may do more of that before spring training is over. The Reds uh, just traded away Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez. Um, there is talk in... Who the, knows what the Rockies are doing? Who knows what the Rockies are doing? Oh, nobody knows what the Rockies <laughs> are doing. Nobody knows what the Rockies... Yeah. Uh, I, I think they just want the headlines of Chris Bryant hitting 45 home runs. I think I think that's all they want. Um, but why do they then let the other guy walk? Like... Yeah, whatever. Carry on. I what mean, are you saying? That because the their owner is too busy getting into DUIs <laughs> sure. to have a coherent uh, thought process. Um, there's talk this week, renewed talk, we should say, of the Orioles shopping Trey Mancini 
and Cedric Mullins. And I think the question, Smith, is like, how are we, by the standard we just laid out about, you do what you have to do to rebuild the team and you have to be slightly cold-blooded about it. How, how, so there was a, there was a piece by Dan Connolly in The Athletic this week that was basically in a, in its very Dan Connolly way saying like, well, you got to pay Trey Mancini for the intangibles. You got to do it. You got to do it. And he's, I think, one of the last sports writers who still makes those arguments in earnest, um, which I appreciate about him, even if I often disagree with him. Um, (laughs) But, you know, obviously we're not going to get as much value for Trey Mancini uh, right now as we would have before he, you know, freaking survived cancer, (laughs) which is amazing, but does seem to have sapped him of some of his offensive abilities. Um, How are you going to feel if that happens? Maybe when that happens. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you're right. Like, I think that one of the, one, one of the problems of the sort of, galaxy brain fandom and one of the reasons why i've had so much trouble engaging with this orioles team for the last couple of years is it does seem like that's where the front office's mind is and it's like none of these people are people like we're we're viewing all of these on a balance sheet and we need to keep our (laughs) wins above replacement below a certain amount because we don't want to win too many games and like uh and and so therefore if someone sort of like really catches fire um, or, or really pops, then, um, we, you, you move them on. Um, that's not why I liked baseball. Like what I liked baseball for was exactly the sort of thing that is the Cedric Mullins battling Crohn's disease and, uh, putting up a 30 and 30 season or, uh, Trey Mancini coming back from the Orioles, you know, coming back to the Orioles after having surviving cancer and getting a, standing ovation at the plate like that. Those are the only two moments that are going to stick out to me from the last two years of Orioles fandom. Uh, It certainly is not going to be any of the pitching, Um, (laughs) but you know, I, so that, uh, I guess we did do some sort of, there was a, there was a no hitter. So let me, let me, let me, let me be generous. Let me be uh, less of an asshole. Um, Yeah. I, I, I think that, it makes sense to me in a um, in a in a um, from an, from the perspective of an economist and from the perspective of a storyteller and a lover of the sort of like re- narrative arcs that ride through a season. Um, I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to hate it. I'm going to hate it when they, when they sell those guys and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be sad about it. You know, my, my favorite pitcher is still Jeremy Guthrie. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I bet it'd be easier to get Jeremy Guthrie on the podcast now. I just, it just occurred to me. Um, so I, I mean, what's, what's he up to? I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to hate it. Um, I think a thought that I had is could I come up with, if I crowd out all of those sentimental feelings, could I come up with a baseball reason to keep Cedric Mullins and Trey Mancini in the lineup in 2022? 
that would be more valuable than whatever prospects we'd get back um, in return for them. And here is the one thing I could think of. If you are of the somewhat more Dan Connolly school of thought, i.e. slightly old-fashioned, that believes in lineup protection, Alan, are we really going to bring up our notional future of the franchise, the flying Rutschman himself, and run him out there in the hit in the lineup every game with no protection. I'm sorry, with Runed Odor. <laughs> slightly worse, slightly worse than no protection. <laughs> as his as his protection in the lineup, it it's not enough to say carry the hopes and dreams of this city upon your 24 year old shoulders, young Adley. Um. You also have to anchor the entire lineup and help this woefully inadequate pitching staff, with the exception of John Means, get their breaking balls within eight inches of home plate. No big deal, yeah, you know, kiddo. I, I, I think that there is like um I, I don't know that this, I don't know that anywhere in the statisticians um like record books will we find this number. But I do think that there is a, um, like, a um, psychological toll to losing. <laughs> uh, and I do think that there is sort of like a, um, yeah, like, like going out and, you know, the, 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 the thing that I would say about last year's Orioles team was that I was really glad as they were going through that like potentially MLB record breaking losing streak <laughs> that there <one>? was nobody <laughs> that there was nobody on this club at that moment that I thought was a major prospect. Like I would have been really worried about that if there was like two of the guys who we had a vested interest in being good at some point on that losing streak. Right. Are we permanently demoralizing like a, this player? Yeah. And, and there's a culture like there, 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 there is such thing as a winning culture. <laughs> there is such thing as like expecting showing up and expecting to win and for things to go well. And, you know, like the, the, the fabled Red Sox team that broke the streak, right? Like a bunch of idiots, like a bunch of people who didn't know the stakes and didn't, and hadn't like really seeped themselves in the Red Sox culture of, uh, where we're never going to make it. We're never going to be good. This is always a team of losers. I, I think that there's like something there to that. And so if you believe in the development of young players, and this is for the first time a season when maybe we are starting to develop some guys that we think might be around, then you can't just put them, you can't just put them with the odors of the world. You, you can't. I mean, not not only because I think he's not a very good human being. Uh, I just, you know, sorry, Brunette, I don't actually know that about you. But, um, you know, like that, that he doesn't excite me as a leader. Uh, but like, I think I think you do need to, you know, show like. So in basketball, this is a this is a great example, like everybody talks about and there's a lot of statistical evidence around what happens when you play on the Olympic team. So these guys who like get a chance to uh, or who make their first, it, it's, it's like kind of like the all-star game, 
but like way more so because you get training camps with these guys and you get to go and you get to see how the very best in the world prep and you like how they train and how they practice and then how they perform in games and like what the mentality looks like. And so time after time, these young guys go to play on the Olympic team and then they come back and like the next season they jump, they make these huge jumps. Um, it happened to Drew Holiday this year. It happened to Devin Booker. It happened to like a bunch of guys who are like, um, yeah, who made the leap and at least partially themselves credit getting to go and see how the game should be played. I really do worry about the bottom out approach that like there's no version of that anywhere in the Orioles world. Yeah. Well, and you're making me think about in 2012 when the Orioles came out of nowhere to um, win the wild card. So much was. So much was made in 2012 when the Orioles came out of nowhere to win the wild card. So much what you just heard there, by the way, Baltimoreans, was my computer believing it had connected to a set of AirPods, even though there are no AirPods in the entire room. Uh, so I was talking and Alan couldn't hear me. Uh, and because we believe don't really, in yourself, computer, believe in yourself, which is exactly those AirPods. See, this is, these are the wages of a culture of losing. <laughs> Even my laptop has given up. Um, so when the Orioles came out of nowhere to win the wild card in 2012, much was made about how many one run games they won and mm. their record in extra innings. And the idea that this was not sustainable or reflective of true talent. Mm -hmm. And then there were some writers, Carl Ravitch among them, who pointed out things like, yeah, but there is a way that this team gets together and celebrates after a victory that is suggestive of something happening in the clubhouse that can't be measured or quantified. And it makes me think about how Bobby Dickerson, who is now an infield coach for the Phillies, but was at the time an infield coach for the Orioles, his answer to, so I guess the, the, the read on the Phillies right now is they have added an insane amount of offense to their lineup, which now is going to feature, I think, um, Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, and Nick Castellanos. Mm. That's terrifying. Um, but their defense last year was abysmal and they have done basically nothing to upgrade it. And Bobby Dickerson said, look, I get that from a statistical standpoint, this is not a good defensive team, but when you're winning and when you're scoring a lot of runs, you play better defense because you're looser. You're less nervous. Mm -hmm. You're less tight you're less likely to make unforced errors. It, it doesn't boost your ceiling, but it solidifies your floor. That's not, he didn't say that thing about the ceiling and the floor. I'm just saying that as an interpretation of what he said. Uh, so apologies, yeah. Bobby, if that's not what you meant. But um, it, it, it makes me think of that too. And it makes me wonder how much of that perspective and point of view he brought over, he brought to Philly with him from his experience with the Buck Walter Orioles of yesteryear. Yeah. I mean, and you know, I, I think like, I, 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 I am not a professional athlete. 
uh, I was never going to be a professional athlete. But like even in my um, shadows on the wall sporting experiences, I feel like you could feel that. Like I feel like there were teams that I have been on where we were good and we were better than the opposition. And like it allowed you to try more things. It allowed you to uh, be bolder and braver. And um, if those things didn't work, you could just, you, you had, you had uh, bandwidth to, to, to play with. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I don't know how you transition from being a team that goes, uh, minimizes play role, shoots for losses, plays in that direction. I don't know how the Astros did it. For example, uh, I, I think you sort of have to um, bring up a cohort all at the same time and they have to sort of grow together and you have to be really lucky with the savvy veterans that you bring in or maybe in this case, don't sell um, to, to sort of build back a confidence that like this is building towards something. We're going to get there. This is OK. Uh, <laughs> all that stuff. It sounded, Smith, like you were about to say uh, that the Orioles are attempting to build back better. Oh, no. <laughs> well, they, I mean, you know, they, 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 they really, they really knock it down to the, the commensurate parts, man. There's not a lot of previous existing structures to build back on. Well, and not to this force like a connection. hurricane. Yeah. <laughs> And not to force a connection, except that that's all I ever do. <laughs> if you think about how Joe Biden split the Build Back Better plan into two parts, there was the infrastructure and then the social policy. Let's call that the culture piece of the legislation. <laughs> and he got the infrastructure passed, but he's having trouble with the culture. That's basically exactly what we're talking about. The infrastructural pipeline of new prospects for the Orioles is there. Mm-hmm. But... We're getting mansioned on culture. <laughs> That's Joe, not big house. Although Joe yeah, does live know, in a big house. I, I, yeah, I, 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 you know, I, um, we, we are clearly kind of coming down on both sides of the question of the Jock Peterson question here over the course of this podcast, because on the one hand, like I, uh, I do believe that when you, when the incentives say you should suck, you should bottom out. You should actually do the damn thing and not try to kind of middle it. And we've seen what happens when you do try to middle it. But I also don't understand how you then flip that switch. And I think that, yeah. you know, the, the, that the, um, the, the gap between, like if I were a player right now on this current Baltimore Orioles roster, and I was looking at our payroll versus the Dodgers payroll. It wouldn't fill me, fill me with like spunk and let's go beat the overdogs. It would feel, it would fill me with a feeling that my owner wasn't invested enough in us to ever be good. And that would, I think be sort of disheartening, a disheartening way to start the season. Yeah. And it, it also did not escape my notice in the Dan Connolly piece that I referenced earlier that he said there is a, he said something to the effect of there's a disturbing trend of people leaving Baltimore, people thriving in Baltimore, starring in Baltimore, finding glory in Baltimore, making meaningful contributions to winning teams in Baltimore, and then leaving with a sense that they've been disrespected. And he name checked Buck Walter 
Nick uh, Nick Markakis, and I was about to say Nick Markovich, um, <laughs> who probably feels disrespected by the Orioles. I wouldn't blame him. Um, and Adam Jones uh, and Mike Messina. So, and, and then and then also you add to that list the the um, the cavalry who all went on to be successful pitchers elsewhere that couldn't you know Arietta, Gossman, Bundy. Uh, <laughs> oh, stop! Stop! Please don't say anymore. <laughs> Please don't say anymore. I look forward to Hunter Harvey winning the Cy Young Award this year. Um, no, yeah, exactly, exactly, and. Uh, that is that is the other side of this, right? Is the the piece of this that's like, why are we so good at like derailing careers, um, mm-hmm. or why are we so good at building something special and then fundamentally misunderstanding what we've created? Yeah. Because it's worth, I think. It's worth. I I just think it's worth talking about for a second. Like, you know, we're sitting here saying that the end of that early mid twenty tens run of success. You know, we we're we've basically said like, well, that was eventually going to come crashing down. It was only a matter of time. Is that true? Is that well, true? I- I think that the Orioles do get a certain amount of credit for not returning to the Midlands. Like I didn't, I, you know, I, 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 I think personally that they pulled the plug a year too early. Um, and that, that sort of Buck Walter teams and like they, if they had run it back one more year before they sold Manny, before they did all those things, then, you know, I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know whether history would have borne that out, but I think that there was, there was still some magic that could have been captured there. And then you could have let some people go without it feeling quite so disrespectful. Um, But I think the Orioles do get credit in some real way for saying like, well, all of the smart baseball minds here think that this is going to start cratering soon. Let's pull the plug six months early instead of six months late. And when all of our assets have returned to zero. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if it's true, but I do, I do think that there's like, that there, there is probably some smart business to selling as high as you can in that moment. There um, probably is. But the thing that came into mind for me, as you were saying that is, I think we got back five players for Manny Machado. And at this point that trade was made five seasons ago. I don't think any of the players that we got back for Manny Machado have made any meaningful contribution at the major league level. And five years on, it's kind of too late to think that they will. And that is extraordinarily depressing, especially in the context of this conversation we were just having about Mancini and... Right. um, About Mancini and Mullins are we going to do the same thing there when like, you know, I love Cedric Mullins. He's not the player that Manny Machado was, or at least he doesn't have the same track record. So we're not going to, I mean, can we hope for the same kind of ultimately unfulfilling return for the price of, you know, our one truly Marquee player? That's a really interesting point because I think what you're getting to here is sort of like, 
again, I'm going to, I'm going to cross up sports here. So like the 76ers, well, okay. So I, I guess, I guess, let me, let me not go down the bad analogy, but let me just say like for any of these galaxy brain, smart baseball ideas to work, you still have to have really good baseball minds making the choices that you make and looking to get, you know, if you're going to trade a star, getting prospects back that have a chance. And when you have first round draft picks, spending them on people who will succeed versus people who won't succeed. And then also not just worrying, worrying about the job interview, but also worrying about making a job that people can grow and succeed at, like actually, you know, creating a system that takes good players and makes them great players instead of what we've done, which is seem to take good players and make them slightly less good players. So there is a real concern for me that like the Orioles organization doesn't, doesn't matter whether we're doing galaxy brain or mid tier or whatever, because we don't have that organization in place that will um, make people better. And that I think does come back to uh, if you try to rate different owners and rate Peter Angelos versus different owners, I do think that that hangs on Peter Angelos. And you do have to, if you can say as much as we have said, maybe he has made his money in less shitty and dilapidous ways. Maybe he is better for the community of Baltimore than some other owners are for their cities. Maybe he, uh, you know, seems to be a good dude, but if he is not capable of sort of staffing an organization with people who are in turn capable of making players better, he's not a good owner. In the words of Wendell Pierce, who played Bunk Moreland in The Wire, uh, one of the seminal Baltimore stories, the two can coexist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alan Smith, uh, I have one, I have two final questions for you. Okay. The first final question is, uh, is Ned a nickname for Edward? Am I right about that? Yes. Great. My last question for you is, <laughs> Alan, what do you call Runed Odor when he is... Hold on. When he is the French translation of a street called Stinky Edward Street. I can't do it. You would call him... <laughs> I, thought I, I thought I was going to be able to follow you, but I can't, I can't get there. Rue Ned Odor. Okay. There's, okay. there's some faulty logic in the construction, uh, and um, everybody's just going to have to live with that. <laughs> the faulty logic in the construction is essentially the tagline of the Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> well, friends, uh, thank you for joining us once again. Uh, it has been a delight to be back in your headphones. And who knows? We might even be back next week. Wait, wait, Sam, Sam, Sam. Did we come down pro or con in that entire discussion? I think we came down... No, no, no. It has to be one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, pro or, pro or con Peter Angelos or teardown? Yes, the whole the whole kitten caboodle. I think um, I think I'm I'm still pro teardown because uh, the the previ- the the sell the great sell off of 2017 um, 
was under a pre a prior front office. So I'm I'm willing to give Mike Elias and his supposed plan another season and a half. But after that, off to Stinky Edward Street with you, Mike. Uh, start sending us your nicknames, Baltimoreans. Yes. Just, just, just on the off chance that we that we do that ever. Be morons is the Twitter handle and probably the best way to reach us. Talk to y'all next week. Bye. Baltimoreans. <laughs> <laughs>